Welcome to Room for Growth, a Willow Tree podcast about growth marketing hosted by Billy Lowen and me, Billy Fisher. Whether you're an industry expert or just getting started, there's plenty of room to grow. Share this episode with your favorite coworker, follow us wherever you enjoy podcasts, and reach out if you'd like to join the show. You ready, Billy? I'm ready, Billy. Let's go. Let's f***ing grow. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Room for Growth. You're stuck with uh, just Billy today again. My colleague Billy right now is in Brazil, so I'm kind of jealous. She got to go down to the the Willow Tree Poetec office in Porta Alegre, Brazil. So I'm sure she's having a good time, but uh, really excited about our guest today. We have Jason Lambert, who is the VP of Beyond Labs at Bees, which is an AB and Bev company, AB and Bev, the largest beverage company in the world. So Jason, I've had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with Jason, was just blown away with really the way that he thinks about product about commerce. And he's one of the the few product commerce marketers that I've met that is thinking kind of that full view, really understands not just the experience that he's delivering on the front end, but is uh, really deep on the CDP side and, and really the, that full view of the customer. So excited to dig into that with Jason. You know, we were talking during my interview with Jason and B2B kind of gets the raw deal when we're talking about great experiences in the market. And it it doesn't, you know, normally, uh, heck, when we ask our guests about brands, we've never had somebody say, like, let me tell you about this B2B experience. It's always Nike, Disney, that we're getting these kind of standard run-of-the-mill brands. But when you hear about what Bees is doing and what AB and Bev, um, the innovation that they're delivering, and how they communicate and sell to their retailers and their distributors, it's it's really quite remarkable. As the, he was talking, I was thinking about another brand. I'm in Columbus, Ohio, and a lot of people don't realize that one of the Fortune 10 companies, Cardinal Health, is based out of Columbus. And I've always heard, I've, I've never had the opportunity to be really intimate with their work, but I've always heard about the incredible e-commerce experience that Cardinal Health has, has built over the years. And it almost, when every time I hear it, it makes me sound think of Amazon, where Amazon Prime, at least, where a pharmaceutical company, a pharmacy can order a product. And as long as they're within some reasonable distance in most environments, they can have that product to the, to the pharmacy within 24 hours. And they've been doing this for like uh, five, 10 years. It's just really, really incredible. So as I was talking to Jason, I was thinking of these core principles that I think we're really just at the beginning of in digital. People are finally accepting the fact that a B2B experience needs to be as good as the experience that that I see when I use my favorite app. And that if you don't deliver that type of experience, you're A, leaving money on the table, you're leaving efficiency on the table. And I think we're, again, just at the beginning of uh, what it means to deliver a great B2B experience. What makes Jason unique is most of the time when I'm talking about to B2B marketers, they're very focused on the design. How can we deliver an experience that is great for our customer uh, making a B2B purchase or maybe our employee? But Jason and, and the team at Bees has taken that one step further. And again, they've applied this consumer great experience to Bees by having a really, really st- smart CDP strategy, making sure 
that they understand the customer's purchase behavior and how they're interacting with the brand. So all of those interactions are are digitally informed. And I think that is an area where in B2B, there's a, a ton of opportunity to get past just designing a really nice looking experience that feels like a consumer experience but delivering it at every single touch point. And so uh, we talked to Jason a little bit about that. But I'm curious, as we uh, post the podcast to LinkedIn, it, I'll remember to, to throw this question out there. What, what B2B marketers, it's not a space that I'm deeply versed in. I'd be curious what other B2B marketers and experiences that uh, we should be talking to and kind of using as inspiration. So, so please comment on that if, uh, if you're listening to this episode and and uh, you know of uh, another brand that we need to be thinking of. But with that, I'm excited to share Jason Lambert and our uh, discussion with him from Bees. All right, Jason Lambert, welcome to Room for Growth. We're, we're pumped up to have you here. We have a, a lot of questions for you. But before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, yourself and your role at Bees? Yeah, sure. Billy, it's great to be here. And, and thanks so much for having me and, uh, and discussing bees. So my name is Jason Lambert. I'm the Global Vice President of Beyond Labs. Beyond Labs is a unit within Bees, which is an e-commerce and software company that was built in AB InBev, the world's largest brewer. Awesome. It's super interesting. I, I would guess that most people, unless they're deep in the, uh, the beverage industry, would have no idea that ABI has an e-commerce and SaaS company. I, I remember the first time I heard, I'm like, wait a second, how's, how's this work? And it's taken me a, a kind of a couple times to truly, uh, you know, really wrap my head around it. So real quick, though, for our listeners, if they're in that camp that I was in, would be curious, can you tell us more about Bees, how it's structured and kind of how the idea came to for it, fruition? Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's hard to talk about bees and especially the history of bees without talking about AB InBev, who AB InBev is, who, who we serve. Um, so AB InBev is the world's largest brewer. We have over 500 amazing brands in our portfolio. We operate in many markets all across the world. One in four beers that's consumed globally comes from our incredible ecosystem, which is amazing. You know, first and foremost, I'd say like, the beer category is incredibly interesting. It's natural, it's local, and it's inclusive. And that ecosystem actually consists of suppliers and brewers like ourselves. And it also consists of retailers uh, within our environment that we sell our, our products to, that those retailer partners uh, within that ecosystem then sell to consumers. So AB InBev serves about 10 million of these small to medium-sized retailers in over you know, 70 plus geographies around the world. And when we started to think about effectively what digital meant for AB InBev, we looked at how we serve this retailer ecosystem traditionally, and then how effectively technology and process change could elevate their experience first and foremost with us. And then we could actually help this retailer ecosystem thrive as they're selling all these products to their consumers. So Bees was kind of born, the idea of Bees was born. Uh, Bees is AB InBev's proprietary B2B e-commerce platform. It's really was built to, you know, and designed to, to really help our businesses thrive, those, those partners that we have in the ecosystem. Wow. Really interesting and definitely um, innovative in terms of, uh, um, yeah, how old did you see it, say uh, ABI is? 
So ABI has roots all the way back to uh, Stella Artois, which is back into the mid 1300s. So it's, it's incredible. We have 650 plus years. Yeah, you think of this major, massive company that is not certainly not rooted as a technology company building an e-commerce product is really impressive. And I would imagine it's made the lives easier for your retailers. How exactly do the retailers use the Bees app on a day-to-day basis? How does it kind of enhance uh, their overall experience? Yeah, it's a great question. So if I kind of talk about it in two segments, I think it starts to make a lot more sense. It was kind of pre-Bees and, and post-Bees. So traditionally how we would serve, you know, these 10 million retailers all around the world is we would quite literally make physical sales visits to these retailers. And this could be bars, restaurants, like places where you consume on premise. And it can also be bodegas, grocery stores, large key accounts, places that you would consume maybe off the, off the premises. And so every week we would send sales reps in to each of these 10 plus million stores. And I'd say, Billy, you know, Billy's Bar and Grill, uh, do you usually, you know, you take your typical order and maybe try to upsell you a little bit and maybe bring a new innovation to your attention. So with that process, um, there were all these issues that basically customers would struggle with. One was if I miss the actual visit, that's a problem because I won't be able to get my product. Two is that when the rep would come in, it's really only a seven or a 10 minute visit at maximum. But I want to spend a lot of time discovering the portfolio and talking and really understanding. So what Bees does as a B2B e-commerce solution is it provides our entire portfolio to the customers to discover, provides suggested orders, their personalized discount depths, rewards and loyalty programs. But it also provides them the empowerment to look place the order anytime, anywhere you want really start to choose maybe like even flexible delivery or not and you know have full visibility of the portfolio that uh, that is available to you and so it provides this like massive empowerment a lot of flexibility and it really like adds to the satisfaction of our customer base so anytime we talk about e-commerce we always go to the Amazon and kind of the the public experiences that that we know as best in class consumer experiences how much have you, as you're building a B2B e-commerce experience, uh, you know, which we don't read about as often, how often are you looking at kind of best-in-class consumer experiences to draw inspiration for how you built bees and built new features for your customers? It's a perfect question because I think B2B, <laughs> I'll put it nicely, I don't think it gets as much shine as B2C, but actually the market is absolutely massive. It is like, I think uh, Statista put out something out where the B2B market itself and the total retail market was like $27 trillion annually in terms of like goods exchanged. We have a very unique scenario with at least some of the B2B that we're focusing on at the beginning, which is our SMBs around the world are typically like the profile would traditionally be like a small proprietor, right? It'd be one, one owner, maybe like a, one or two workers. And so when we set out to do this, we were like, look, we, we believe that we can bring best practices of consumer. And it wasn't only the experience itself, like the UI, UX, but it was actually more around, let's do the true sort of customer research. Let's do the customer experience journey mapping. Let's understand what pain points exist today, how we can elevate pain points through technology, how we can replicate the positive moments 
through technology and how we can marry both online and offline processes to really create a next level or next generation experience that our customers have. So using both kind of practices from the consumer side and simply applying them in the B2B model, it allowed us to like leapfrog what was traditionally always thought of in the B2B space is like, let's put our catalog online and like somebody can go in and order order off the catalog and like order a tractor. And it's like, no, 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 this is a consumer-like e-commerce experience for the, the millions of small retailers that we serve around the world. And it has like all of those both capabilities, but like user experience, you know, pieces that come along with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I've been saying for a long time, and I think we're starting to move past where B2B and, and kind of digital workplace experiences are starting, at least as far as I've seen, starting to get the same level of attention as consumer experiences. But for a long time, we would make excuses for these experiences being so poor because it was like our employees use them and I guess they have to. And, uh, you know, what I've seen is particularly when people are doing their job, if you don't give them a great experience, they will find another way or they will just live in just nonstop frustration. But for a lot of the, the brands I've seen, people would go around the kind of policies because this system is so terrible you know what, I can use Dropbox or some better tool and deck on and I'm going to do it yeah, because it helps me do my job better. So it seems like most organizations have started to embrace the fact that your employees and your B2B consumers are people too. And every time they use the app on their phone, it changes what they expect from the app or the experience that they do on a day-to-day. Yeah. It's interesting because like part of the mantra that we talk about a lot is like, our small to medium-sized retailers, these SMBs, were left behind the digital revolution. It wasn't just like, oh, you're left with, because you're B2B, you're left with a poor digital experience. It's they were left with no digital experience. And so what we're kind of doing is leapfrogging and saying, look, it's 2022. We can bring a best-in-class e-commerce experience to you with all of the benefits of that, like, you know, full transparency, visibility, full empowerment to, to do what you want uh, when you want to do it. And you're not just doing this in the U.S. This is a global initiative, which I have got to think comes with a whole host of unique challenges and perspectives. Is that any comments to make about that? Yeah. I mean, again, in terms of we have an incredible customer base. So today, Bees uh, serves over 3.1 million small to medium-sized retailers in over 20 countries around the world. So we have a very strong presence in the Americas, so like North America, uh, Middle Americas, and South America, and also Africa and parts of APAC in Europe. It's interesting how different a lot of the markets are, but actually how similar they are as well. And so I think we had the wonderful perspective to also bring best practices from one market to another. You know, having our operating teams who are very local and we're we're incredibly close to our local markets, having them share what works well from like a process and, and selling perspective and serving perspective and allowing that to kind of more effectively move around the world, uh, has been a pretty cool experience. Wow. And the experience that you're building, I know you have, we're not just talking about a great e-commerce experience or as part of that great e-commerce experience, you're also focused on, again, 
consumer grade experiences like building out a great CRM strategy, uh, customer data platform, great analytics, great engagement and, and messaging through the platform. And so I think that's a requirement to build a great e-commerce experience. And, and most of our listeners for Room for Growth, you know, we certainly target and are tr- trying to create content that help marketers. And um, can you just talk about if somebody that's listening is a B2B marketer and they're trying to think about their CDP strategy, um, their organization doesn't have that in place, kind of what are some of the, the foundational building blocks or places that, that you tend to, as you've set out to build this strategy over time, what are some of the foundational kind of places to start when trying to determine which platform you should go with and if it's time to do that now or, or wait? It's a question we get actually pretty frequently because I think what we're proud of is kind of, you know, we say Bees was built by a CPG for a CPG. And I think, you know, for us, especially in the early days, the focus was intensely not necessarily on the, the technology, the stack, the capabilities, but it was solely focused on like, what is the problem? Right? And so like all going through all of the, the research, understanding like what kind of balancing what our customers need and want and what the commercial objective of, of our company is to like kind of transition that value unit we were able to clearly lay out a strategy around basically two things. One was the technology that we needed in place to achieve our goals. But then two was the process change and organizational change that needed to happen to accompany that. Because there's no kind of, there's no technology that's going to be a a silver bullet or a magic kind of wand that will transform your business. And so when we started laying that out, it was like this obsession on okay, we can take our commercial strategy, which is the same in the traditional sense and the same in the the digital sense. We take that commercial strategy and now we can route it through new channels. And so for us, it was back in the early days, it was setting up our core platform, uh, setting up our core data stack, which was our, our CDP, it was product analytics, it was digital communications, it was, you know, data warehousing, data reporting and insights. And that was, I would say, kind of like the MVP of if we go and solve these customer problems, we are going to need technology one, two, three, and four. And then we were able to kind of go source that, figuring out basically what was best in class in the market at the time to provide kind of a, a very modern tech stack. And so I guess you had a, a unique opportunity, which is build it right from the beginning, uh, which some uh, a lot of times folks are are retrofitting. Before we you know get too far. I have some additional questions about the kind of MarTech landscape, but you, you mentioned something in terms of that interaction with consumers. You mentioned before bees, after bees. What are some other ways? Has there been new insights that have happened that you know would not have, have come to be, new ideas of that would not have come to be if you were kind of doing it the old way now that you guys have launched, launched bees? The best thing that's come of bees is like watching our partner or retailer ecosystem thrive and grow. I think we always struggled as a business because if you think about the kind of physical nature of, say, just the sell-in process, we always kind of struggled to do basics because, of course, there's tens of thousands of people in the field uh, doing something. Now that we have the ability to provide our customers a great experience digitally, those customers are now not only ordering through us, but they also see a significant amount of value-added opportunities through the experience itself. So we have a rewards program called Club B, where it's not only earning points on purchase, but actually a big part of their business is are they executing well in trade 
to reflect the brands appropriately to their consumers. And so we actually offer up where we used to have to kind of do the blocking and tackling with them physically. And again, only like we had seven minutes to do the order, to do the trade execution, to do kind of everything under the sun. Now we've retrained our entire frontline sales force to become business development reps. And the retail owners themselves can say, oh, I have a challenge here in my bees application to put a price to consumer of you know this particular product here instead of where I had it higher. And I'll have my consultant, the business development rep, actually visit me in like tomorrow or the next day to talk to me about the value there and like why that's so important. So it's this kind of ability to look at our retail partners around the world and say, you are not this kind of blocker between us and our consumers. You are an extension of our ecosystem. And if we can get you the empowerment and the right tools and mechanics that you need, not only will our consumers be enjoying our brands and our portfolio, but you will actually be growing and you'll be healthier. And like, because you're anchor of the community, you know, the community starts to grow and you know, everything starts to kind of move. And there's a lot of, there's quite a bit of inertia. So I think that was like a turning point for us. Yeah. During the pandemic, during like lockdown time, you had bees in place. I have to imagine that that was a, a kind of an unexpected benefit. Is that, is that a fair statement? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, it was actually pretty interesting because we started rolling out bees prior to COVID. Um, in 2019, we launched uh, bees for the first time in the Dominican Republic. We moved to Brazil in early 2020, but we're still pretty small in Brazil and had pretty ambitious, I would say, like ramp up plans over the course of, of 2020. But then when COVID hit, it was actually like it wasn't a tailwind for us necessarily as like bees, the e-commerce experience it became actually critical, a critical part of some country's basic infrastructure to receive the goods in the market that they needed. You know, we had some countries in Latin America that had full lockdowns, including our sales reps going out into the market. So for these, the local tiendas, uh, colmados, uh, bodegas, all the corner stores, for them to actually receive their product, we actually launched bees quickly in those markets to ensure that we could like provide the portfolio that they needed to serve their their consumers at the time. So it ended up being kind of a a wonderful addition at the right time. It was kind of the right, the right time with the right technology and the right solution and we were, you know, incredibly happy that that kind of that it was serendipitous like that. Yeah, I would imagine so. And what about your role with Beyond Labs and and uh, how's Beyond Labs uh, kind of fit into the overall bees picture here? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm incredibly excited about it because I think it's something that um, Bees is, within AB and Bev, Bees is, uh, was, a, was a wonderful success case of, of how to kind of innovate internally within a large consumer uh, product goods company. I think it's also kind of an amazing testimonial of how, you know, utilizing the infrastructure of and the platform of an existing company and just adding kind of like technology and maybe some process change, you know, can be absolutely massive in terms of the value that we can bring to the community, to all of our partners and, and to the company itself. So we used, uh, you know, a framework again, if I think about kind of some of the best, uh, you know, startups in the world, if I think of some of the best um, incubators or accelerators, what was the strategy to kind of go from zero to one and then from one to 10 and then from 10 to 100? 
it was really focusing around in the early days, again, like an obsession of problem. Uh, what problem were we trying to solve? Doing an intense amount of research in the market to really map out and understand our customers, our problem, our value proposition, you know, doing the competitive analysis, the the kind of the DVF models, if you will. And now the goal of Beyond Labs, now that Bees is starting to mature, the mission of Beyond Labs is to expand the Bees ecosystem through innovation. Uh, I would say we have no shortage of, uh, of people with ideas in the company. And so what we needed, to be honest with you, was a place to catch those ideas, a place to kind of like foster and nurture them, not put insane amount of time and resource behind them, put the right amount of like true sort of ownership, dedication, and resourcing where necessary and advisory to apply that framework and see what takes. We all have hypotheses. I've I've placed a couple bets here where I'm like, this thing's going to take off and it's like, you know, and then we have a couple that I was like, oh, I don't know about this idea, but we've actually seen it be incredibly positive. And so it's just kind of, you know, I'd say the mission is to expand the ecosystem and say what we practically do is create an environment where ideas move from a concept to a seed, hopefully a seed to a pilot if we're doing things well and thinking about it. And then if the pilots are successful, we think about scaling and leveraging the broader ecosystem. Awesome. Well, I look forward to kind of hearing about the the ideas that go the other direction and, and pass the pass the test. Sounds like a, an awesome opportunity for for you and and for bees. Getting back into the the Martech uh, world just a, a little bit. You sit on a, a couple customer advisory boards and, and have so for uh, some time across CDP and analytics. And I, I have said maybe on every other episode that we recorded, I kind of feel for marketers sometimes, especially when I go to a conference, I always come away thinking like, oh my gosh, every one of these platforms are kind of saying that they do the same thing. They say they do it better than the other. Every analytics platform says that they're a customer data platform and vice versa. And uh, these are among some of the platforms that we we love. And I'm just curious how you've seen this space change over the the years that you've um, you've been in, involved and any kind of just things that stick out in your mind when you think CDP, CRM and analytics, uh, just some of the landscape changes that you've seen. Any observations there? Yeah, I mean, the first and most obvious is the space is certainly more populated now. <laughs> you know, I think when we think about uh, who did CDP, I mean, CDP, I can't remember hearing the acronym CDP before maybe it was either 2018 or 2019. When we first started partnering with Segment, they actually called it, I believe it was customer data infrastructure. Uh, and so now it's like a customer data platform. And even to be honest with you, before some of these CDPs or, or customer data infrastructure companies even came about, I mean, it was basically building like ETLs and like direct links to, to all, all these different tools. I think the space has had a ton of investment. It's had a ton of innovation. It's much, much more modular today. I mean, if I want to try a marketing tool, like we can spin it up in 30 minutes and start doing, uh, you know, some testing. I think actually that makes it to your point. I think it makes it a lot harder for marketers because if I, you know, hire a product marketing manager tomorrow and I'm like, okay, go do again, focusing kind of on the commercial strategy, business objectives, OKRs. If it's like, hey, go achieve, you know, this OKR, there's now 7,000 companies that might do it. It's also been interesting over the last, I feel like maybe two years 
where if I look at our, what I would say our like data stack between a CDP, product analytics tool, communications tool, data warehousing, these companies are almost trying to verticalize within that stack itself. And so where like product analytics and CDP used to be two independent companies, now they're actually both saying they do both of those things. And so I think that's kind of, you know, starting to muddy the waters a bit. And the reality is like, what as a, again, what I always say to anybody who's, who either works here or starts here or whatever, is like, first think about what is your problem? What are you trying to solve? What value does that bring? Is there desirability, viability, feasibility? And then once you address that, then you can just go find the technology and very likely the combination of technology and, and a new process that you'll have to do internally to go kind of hit those metrics. I think the great part about being a marketer today or you know, a product marketer today is that you can you know, switch these things in and out. So if you set up the right frameworks and you're following kind of your key results or KPIs that are leading into your key results... You can say, oh, I, I chose tool A and it's not working. So let me pull it out, put it in tool B and uh, so on and so forth. We were saying a few episodes ago, it really all comes back to these like core principles of how you would set out if you're creating a new business, a new idea, testing an idea is like not getting to all the tactics and platforms out of the gate, but focusing more on, okay, the standard strategy process of building out. What are the goals what are the needs of the consumer or the user and um, start to kind of build a more thoughtful approach. I get excited by all the tools. So it's, it's so easy for me to just go like straight there. <laughs> I always make the joke. I'm like, guys, think about the Segway. Amazing, innovative piece of technology that nobody wanted. So like, it's really cool that all these tools are coming out. But like, if there's no application that's solving a problem, like it's going to thud hard. How would you define a CDP? Because it's, it's like muddied. Like I still talk to a lot of folks where even though that's a big a phrase that's getting used more and more often, a lot of marketers, it's still a kind of a newer concept, especially if they're coming from a more traditional marketing background. How would you define it in a simple term kind of what a CDP is and what the benefit is? I like the way you phrase the question of like for people who are, are maybe not familiar with it because I've you know, internally within the company or even externally with other with other CPG partners, we've had to go through this like kind of teaching process of like what we built, why we built it. How I always describe the our CDP is effectively like a circulatory system. I mean, it might not be a perfect metaphor, but I'm like, look, you you're you're you have data sources, places where you're creating data all around your organization. It's on your customer applications, it's on your internal applications. It might actually be you're ingesting data from third-party sources. And so what you need is actually like the minute or the moment that that data is created, you need that to be instantaneously flowing around the organization to the various tools. Because historically, what I've seen in our company and many other companies that are very traditional is that you fall prey to this like almost like silo island effect where it's like, oh, I have this, I have this huge wealth of data here. And I'm like, great, what's flowing in and what's flowing out? And they're like, what are you talking about? And it's like, no, 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 I'm just analyzing this basket of data. So it's like, if you can get to a point where let's say you have 10 people working in 10 different tools within your stack, if they're all kind of working on that same like fresh data set, then you have like a proper circulatory system of information flowing around your organization. 
And for us, practically what that means is that if a customer of ours places an order on our Bees app, and then our business development rep with their Bees Force app walks in 10 minutes later, they're like, oh, I saw you placed an order. Let me talk to you about this. And then our marketers are not sending communications to say, hey, you should place your order. You know, so it's like quite simple once you break it down around like, get that data flowing around your organization as quickly or fast as you can and as consistently as you can. And I think that's what a CDP does for us. Yeah, no, awesome description. And um, one of the reasons I'm so excited to be working in this space right now, it's like that story you just told is like, this is the stuff that we've been talking about for so long, like a 360 optimized, personalized experience, all these buzzwords that are really hard to do if you if you have a bunch of disjointed data all over the place. And so a CDP is like, finally, I start to see this stuff actually coming to life in the market. And uh, yeah, like sick of talking about it. Like, let's let's start making it happen. And a CDP has been the one of the unlocks to, to make that happen. So you know, I'd be crazy if I didn't bring on, you know, someone, uh, an executive from the largest beverage company in the world and did not ask about alcohol uh, more specifically. <laughs> and so I'm curious what trends you're seeing in the alcohol industry, product trends, sales trends, digital trends, anything cool that uh, you're excited about that you're seeing at the moment? Yeah. I mean, look, first of all, uh, I think for us, it's wonderful because actually Bees is starting to expand uh, our product offering to offer many like CPG partner products as well. But I'll, I'll speak to, you know, to the question of like beer and, and the alcohol industry. And of course, working for AB InBev and uh, the world's largest proof so long, I, I'm a beer lover. I think the the one thing that is like an absolute truth and a fundamental truth is like, the beer category continues and, and demonstrates like growth and resilience. So I think we kind of think about it across like share of throat, meaning like what uh, are consumers drinking? So like, is it wine? Is it spirits? Is it beer? The beer category continues to grow. It continues to be incredibly healthy. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's it's natural, like it's all natural ingredients. It's, it's literally four ingredients. It's wheat or barley, uh, hops, you know, water and, uh, and yeast. And, you know, it's inclusive and it's like hyper local. So like what we always say is like, and the beer that's that you're consuming today is very likely used by those local natural ingredients and is really enjoyable. So I think there's like a great amount of health uh, in the market generally. I think we've seen a lot of incredible innovations coming out of the beer category over the last like five, 10 years. In the U.S., I mean, we're both sitting in the United States. So like this is actually, you know, somewhat U.S. specific, but we saw amazing innovation with the growth of the, the craft category and then followed by the growth of craft, which is just kind of moving into different beer styles, right? It was like, you know, you have lagers and you have ales and like within lagers, the typical or the most maybe like traditional or the Pilsners, you know, Budweiser and, and these types. And so moving into ales and IPAs and like having those kind of grow and kind of meet the consumer demands, you know, for the maybe like the higher taste uh, palate. Then what we saw was actually an amazing innovation, which was seltzer. So seltzer is is beer. It's fermented, you know, in the same way. It's actually brewed. And so we saw the seltzer category take off. And now what we're seeing consumers in the United States uh, now trending towards is is convenience of, of packaging. So Anheuser-Busch is doing an amazing job of actually 
continuing the growth of the core category. And that's like, you know, Bud Light uh, and Budweiser, but really looking at Michelob Ultra as a, as a massive growth player within the portfolio. But then also focusing and going where consumers want, which is like ready to drink cocktails, things like Cutwater, which is like the fastest growing, you know, ready to drink cocktail brands in the US. So it's it's a pretty exciting place to be. And, uh, you know, I enjoy being an intern in the, the taste testing department <laughs> to give people an idea of whether or not it's uh, it's good or bad. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to yeah. do it. So, um, yeah, one of my favorite things about beer in its most simplest form is like the seasonal element, at least for me, is like, you know, I'm kind of coming out of uh, either light, light beer or hoppy, fruity IPA season and more into kind of the harvest beers. And then then soon kind of like the darker, thicker Christmas vibes will start to happen. So and then it just kind of all circles back again. But yeah, that's it always gives me that that feeling of the of the season. Yeah. And it's like, we always talk internally. And, and of course we have like some of the best, you know, marketeers in the world and, and the, the commercial folks and our CEO talks a lot about this, but it's like very, it's like the brands kind of meet the occasion, right? Consumers like enjoy the brands through certain occasions. And, and that's exactly what you're talking about. It's like, what are we going to have Thanksgiving? What are we doing for a football Sunday? What are we doing for Christmas and all that stuff? Yep. It was cooling off. Got the flannel on. My wife's making chili. I'm like, I've got to go get a, <laughs> yeah. uh, a, a harvest beer today. So it's just a, a requirement. Well, uh, Jason, uh, just an awesome conversation. Super interesting. I think B2B commerce is something that we need to talk about more, give more credit because it's really, uh, really innovative and, and interesting. I love to just ask a few kind of exit questions that uh, are, are less about your day-to-day job. One thing that's super interesting about you is you're an adjunct professor at Columbia, which is, was awesome. And how'd you get interested in uh, in doing that? And, and how'd you get started? And what do you teach at Columbia? I'm a, an adjunct professor for a course uh, called uh, Introduction to Product Management at Columbia Business School. So, you know, I was uh, an alum of Columbia. I was an engineering student. I always laughed. I was like, engineering's hard. I, <laughs> you know, I saw the, the, the business students doing, uh, doing fun networking things and, and really like, you know, learning some other stuff. But as, uh, as I started to, to grow in my career here and run product for bees for a while, and now in this, uh, you know, role of, of running our innovation unit. One thing, you know, it became clear. It was like talking to not only like folks within our company, but certainly outside of our company is, you know, product management as a, as a function is a, is a relatively new thing, right? I think it's only like maybe dates back 20 years. It's like, I think the, the lure is around Marissa Mayer at, at Google, et cetera. But the concept is really applicable everywhere, right? It's like how you sort of build, design, think about user research, think about customer focus, and then put the technology in the market and then get the feedback uh, and all these things. And so I became obsessed with that process and just found a lot of like passion and energy in, in like sharing the processes that, that existed. And so as we were uh, hiring a bunch of people in, I started, you know, we were connected just to some of the, the the business schools that are in our focus area and just started talking to a few of the professors there. And I was like, hey, what are you guys doing to kind of like train the next generation of great product leaders? Because as organizations, those folks coming out of school are have this amazing accreditation. And then we kind of receive and like train and and, and really bring them up to that. And there just happened to be a, a mutual opportunity where they're like, look, we'd love to have you come in and, and like share your experience and your expertise. 
and it's just been awesome. I love it. <laughs> That's great. Sounds like Willow Tree needs to uh, get in on the hiring some of the uh, the product students coming out of Columbia. So it sounds like the, the right mindset. My colleague, Billy, she always has this question that, that she typically asks. Uh, the way she phrases it is, we love to invite our guests to talk positive trash about a, a brand they love. So another way to say it is, what is a brand that you love? We talk a ton about loyalty and, and we obviously talked a ton about commerce e-commerce today is there is there a brand that's uh is just you're a, a huge fan of and passionate about this is a, a challenging question to ask of somebody that works for a company with over 500 brands in the portfolio and i'll bring up a controversial one considering we both sit in the united states which is like in my opinion corona is like the single big greatest brands on the planet i mean why i say it's controversial is because we actually don't own it in the u.s we own it kind of outside of the united states ah okay i didn't know that but anytime i enjoy a corona outside of the united states it immediately takes me to a beach and it's like this is living this the tagline and it's just uh it's incredible it makes it brings you to a happy place all the time my brother-in-law he like has this thing that we make fun of him about where in our family ta- text you know he's at a beach if he's taking a picture of a corona <laughs> in the sand with the lime and it's like yeah, you exactly. know so that's an exact point like who does that and uh that's the, that that brand that says like i'm at a beach right now living living the dream it's awesome that's it yeah and you don't even need to see the sand or the water or the sky you just need to see the the bottle with the lime hanging out and you're like there it is yeah, I know that sounds that sounds good. It's not Corona season here in Ohio, but maybe if I could get myself somewhere, I would definitely uh, love to enjoy that. It's Corona season all the time. So that's the thing, Billy. It's, <laughs> exactly. It'll take it'll yeah. take you to the beach every day. Exactly. I think it's supposed to be cold this weekend, so I might need might need to ditch the harvest beer and uh, and go with a Corona. So awesome. Well, Jason, thanks so much for uh, joining us here on Room for Growth and sharing some of the um, experiences you've had. Uh, look forward to uh, um, having our listeners uh, listen to this and, and kind of start thinking about their next uh, move in, in B2B e-commerce world. So thanks so much for joining us today. Awesome. Yeah, Billy, thanks so much for having me. And of course, uh, you know, on LinkedIn or if anybody has any questions, always feel free to reach out. I mean, we do a lot of awesome stuff. We have a lot of awesome services, but also like we're here to sort of elevate the entire ecosystem. To your point, it's like, B2B has been left behind for far too long and, and we're here to sort of uh, you know help drive that change. So thank you so much for having me. Great. Thanks, Jason. 